How can we make the world better? By making ourselves better. The Dr. Joe Show explores how you can make positive personal change by using his groundbreaking and highly effective I Am approach to understand who we are and why we do what we do. Your small changes can have big effects. Join us now for the Dr. Joe Show with Mark Stiles of Stiles Law and your host, Dr. Joe Schrand. Hey there. Welcome to the Dr. Joe Show with your host, Dr. Joe. Wow, Tom. I mean, <laughs> Tom. I mean, Tom. I mean, what? Tom, Mark, who you was almost that? skipped I me. I can't even believe that. Mark, this is fantastic. You, you, this is now a new theme uniqueness never not a new theme no that's true actually i mean but but really you've been doing this unique same. snowflake i like it i mean you know for 249 episodes it was basically the same intro from you right and now right. other my- than other than some variations of pitch and tone and i think i stammered one time or two and no, i think you, if you remember there was yeah, one time I choked on my saliva doing I it, that. it and a, a couple times I didn't clear my throat in time. So there's yeah. a there's unique. Each time was live, so I would venture to guess if you scraped it with AI, there'd be differences mm. and probably none the same. However, we're going to take it a step further and change the tonality, similar to your your theory of mind with the lasagna, right? Uh, how would you like your lasagna? Well, yeah. sometimes it's going to be a seductive lasagna and sometimes it's going to yeah. be a complaint. Yeah. Yeah. We can, we can actually probably do that exercise at some point. It's uh, it's, it's always interesting to hear the different tonalities. Tom, can you introduce our guest for tonight? Sure thing, Dr. Joe. Tonight we are welcoming back for the third time, Pat Girondi. Patrick Gironti, originally from the south side of Chicago, is an Italian and American singer-songwriter, author, and founder of San Rocco Therapeutics, a gene therapy company focused on bringing a safe and accessible cure to sickle cell disease and thalassemia patients. Gironti has released seven music albums, and Skyhorse publishes Wall Street Journal number one bestseller, Flight of the Rondone. Welcome back to the Dr. Joe Show. Yeah. There you go. Welcome back, Patrick. It's, it's, it's great to have you back. And and. You've been doing a lot since we chatted last. What's been going on in your life? Oh, jeez. Um, wow. Well, um, published another book, and uh, I guess we'll be talking about uh, blind faith and uh, faded genes. Um, I which have are a big two different. Which are two, two, those are two different books. It's not just yeah, one. Two different books. books. Yeah. Blind faith and faded genes. That's a lot of work. Go on. What else have you been doing? Uh, Saturday, there's a uh, big concert, probably my biggest concert in Italy ever. It's in the uh, Grotto um, in uh, Castellana. And uh, Pavarotti sang there and Bocelli sang there. Actually, tonight, Massimo Ranieri is singing there. I know you don't know who he is, but he's a very big Italian singer. And I'm actually uh, in there Saturday night with my uh, group, the Orphan Dream Band. So... I'm kind of excited about that, and it's a, it'll be a great time. And as well, I'm sure you've all heard about the sickle cell disease uh, products that were approved yesterday or the day before, one with a black box. Well, the one with the black box is my company's direct competitor, actually. And we were, are moving ahead to be beginning on our sickle cell disease and thalassemia patients in Italy in July of August of 2024. So we're getting that all ready. And uh, there will be another couple books on their way out in the next six or eight months. Wow. That is incredible. So 
you are going to be performing with your band this week. Yeah. In yeah, we'll do uh, 22 pieces, all originals, except for three Christmas songs. I'm going to do Jingle Bell, Jingle Bell, Jingle Bell Rock, and White Christmas, and the first Noel. And then the other 19 pieces are all my original pieces. Yeah, and I've, I've had a chance to listen to some of them. Tom, I don't know whether I can just do this. This is one, I think this is, um, this is Teflon, right? Oh, I love Teflon. Groovy. Yeah. That's a great pick. Oh, yeah. I love that. That's a good one. You, you caught a good one. You got a good ear. Well, it's it's great. But which book? I mean, the, the part that gets me is you incorporate this in basically the epilogue of your books, lyrics from your songs. And tell me about that. So just so folks know, in, in the two books that we're going to be chatting about tonight, Blind Faith and Faded Genes, what the author does is... At the end of the actual novel component, the, the novel, he adds in lyrics from a song that he wrote. So in, uh, in Blind Faith, it's a song called It's Your Time, but in Faded Jeans, it's the one that we just heard, the Teflon, um, Teflon Heart. So I want to just first talk about that. How <laughs> did you get that idea to incorporate your music into the book. So obviously, you know, if you write songs, you're a poet in a certain sense, you don't have to be a good one, but like, I'm not, but, um, and so, uh, there you sit down, you you write and you have an idea. And, um, I have, I think 80 or 90 published songs. And when I finish my books, I go through the list and I try to find, the songs that would work with a book. And if none of them work, I create one. And um, in the book, uh, Faded Genes, um, it's about like, when I wrote the book years ago, I always thought of Danny DeVito to be the star in the movie, if we ever did a movie. And Danny is just a kind of hard guy who got around the edges, lived with his mother, never been married. And he gets diagnosed with leukemia. But he actually has this young girl, young woman, who's really in love with him. And uh, he doesn't understand why she would be in love with him. He's short, he's bald, he's, you know, I mean, it's just, you know, it doesn't make any sense to him. And um, and I said, well, wow, that's it. Danny, the Teflon heart, you know, that, you know, it's got a heart nothing sticks to. And so that's where the, that came from. Hmm. It's, it's, it's just a great idea. And then the second half of the book, folks, is a screenplay of the first half of the book. So there's the novel and then there's a screenplay. I don't think I've seen that before. It's in both of these books. I don't think I remember it in the other one, Flight or the Flight. Yeah, book. no, we didn't. Um, we've done it in the last three books, or I, I don't know. Yes, because Chivalry will be coming out next. And we did it for those three books. It was the first time that anyone ever did it, certainly that we know of. And Skyhorse is the first time that they did it. And actually, um, last week I had meetings with Craig Cohen, um, who's kind of like my movie agent, and uh, Sean Gullett. Sean did Pie, and he did Requiem for Requiem for a Dream, um, a Dream, Requiem for a Dream. And he loves um, uh, he loves uh, je- uh, Faded Jeans, hmm. and uh, so we had a couple of meetings. 
and we're trying to figure out if we can do the movie or not. Um, so it's all interesting. Flight of Rondoni, I'm I'm working with Paul Cuscari. Paul did uh, Cutthroat City, actually, and he actually has got a big hit going on right now. Paul did Scrooge for Apple, and it, it's like number one. And Paul Cuscari and I are also working on Flight of Rondoni. Flight of Rondoni's expensive movie to do. Um, but faded jeans, probably a lot less because we could make it an American movie, but made in Italy. So, yeah. you know, there's a lot going on. The most important thing that's going on, of course, is that we're working on making the medicine for sickle cell disease and thalassemia, the gene therapy. I was on the phone with two of our scientists actually today. Um, we're coming up with uh, efficiency that no one's ever seen in the world for lentiviral vectors. I don't want to confuse our the people that are listening, because I know they're probably, you know, waiting to hear about the, you know, the books, but I'm very excited about that. And uh, so it's good. Life's good. Christmas is going to be a great Christmas. Yeah. Well, that's why, I mean, you've been doing so many different things. It's impressive. How on earth do you prioritize? What's your strategy? I'm a Catholic. That's it. I mean, that's the easiest thing for me. So I'm a Catholic. And, um, you know, all the parables and you name it and the parables of the three talents and leaving uh, one one sheep to go get or leaving 99 sheep to go get the one lost sheep. And of course, I have a son with a rare blood disease, so he's the one sheep. And so I just kind of focus on what is the best thing to cure my son? What is the best thing for our patients? And it actually, believe it or not, it, it makes every decision very easy. Uh, let me hear more about that, Patrick. How does it make every decision easy? Well, because um, so uh, we have, for example, to make a big decision. We don't have to make it today, but we're going to have to make it in the next month or so. So we put an insulator on our product. Now, Bluebird Bio, who just got approved at $3.1 million per patient. It's ridiculous. Nobody's ever going to be able to do it. Um, we will charge $700,000 for a better product. Uh, and it cost me $300,000 minimum to make it per patient. Um, and Bluebird has a black box. And again, anybody who's listening, it's been all over the news everywhere, Bluebird Bio and CRISPR. So Bluebird Bio, the FDA put a black box kind of warning on it because they've had problems with leukemia. Some of their sickle cell disease patients have gotten leukemia, two of them, I believe. And so for years, the gene therapy people have been kind of thinking about putting an insulator on these therapies. So the virus, the lentiviral vector, when it lands in our chromosomes, that in case it lands in the wrong place, that it's insulated from the, the gene, that it doesn't trigger the gene that it shouldn't be next to. Interesting. So um, we right now using the insulator, we are not getting as good results, not as effective results. And we're going to have to like what are we going to do, kids? Are we going to go for the more effective gene therapy or are we going to make it less effective and hopefully more safe? But will you make it safer? Will that make it less safe because it's not an effective? You have to use more drug or, you know. So um, if you're like sincerely love people, you know, like care about people, and I feel that I do, it kind of, I call it the Girondi disease. My mother's like that. My uncle Frank was like that. You know, it's kind of easy and you just sit there and you make, you're not always going to be right, but if you 
have the right intentions, you can never make the wrong decision, even if it is the wrong decision. Interesting thought. And also about being safe and effective, because we certainly want medications that are safe and effective. But I am very proud to say that we have sponsors who are absolutely safe and incredibly effective. And with that in mind, we'll take a commercial break. We'll be right back with the Dr. Joe Show and listen to our safe and effective sponsors. Hey, folks, thank you for listening to the Dr. Joe Show. We've been investigating whether or not we want to bring sponsors into our podcast. What are your thoughts? Do you know somebody who might be a good partner with the Dr. Joe Show who may want to align their product or service with the Dr. Joe Show? Think about it. And we're back with the Dr. Joe Show, speaking with author Patrick Girondi, artist, creator, activist for sickle cell anemia, all of it right here on the Dr. Joe Show. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome back, Pat. It's, it's really great chatting with you again and hearing all the stuff that you're doing for so many. At the end of the break, we were talking really about God. And I think, you know, could you just tell us a little bit about blind faith? Because there's a, I mean, there are even, you know, there, there are chapters in here talking directly about God. <laughs> yeah. So um, Blind Faith was a real easy book for me to write. Um, and it's because I deal with so many different uh, religions. So I deal with Jewish people and Hindu people and Buddhist people, um, and of course, Christians. And, and it's because the diseases that we cover, sickle cell disease and thalassemia has so many different, you know, people from different religions. And they're all basically, in a lot of ways, for me, the same, you know, that, that we, we all believe that there's something came, you know, they talk about the big boom, you know, plants, planets smashing together. And then, you know, you got to say, OK, and the planets that smash together, where did them come from? You know, so I, I kind of always deal with this with people. And often I, I get challenged from time to time. Um, and. You know, I, I kind of say, well, you know what? I was born a Catholic and, um, you know, kind of, I, I really love the church. And I look at it in a certain sense that, you know, if my mother got diabetes and uh, cancer and maybe she just got to be really a crabby witch, she'd still be my mother. And that's how I look at the Catholic church. And uh, it works really well. And so I always wanted to write something that kind of put the believers against the non-believers. And I thought about it and thought about it. And so sure enough, um, I trader, I was a trader for many years in Chicago and I was a member of New York Stock Exchange and the Eurex and the Softex and all of these different exchanges. So I know, know a lot about you know the markets. And so I said, well, wait a minute, here we've got this greedy kind of a brother. He's not a real jerk, but kind of. And he's in trouble in the stock market. His dad doesn't realize, very wealthy family, but the father doesn't realize that he's been dabbling with the company business. And he's got this wonderful sister and this firecracker grandmother who passes away and just to teach the grandson a lesson, leaves all the money to the sister. Mm. Now the brother, he needs the money because he's got a big hole from all of his stock loss. And, uh, he doesn't know what to do, but he has a very close friend who's an Jewish atheist attorney. And the brother goes and tries to talk to the sister and uh, basically goes into her room when she's not there one day. 
he's trying everything and he finds a, a letter and he, it's from the sister's boyfriend and he reads it and he looks at the date. He said, well, wait a minute, my sister's boyfriend, you know, died June 8th and this letter's from August 5th. What the hell? So now the brother, he says, okay. He goes to the atheist attorney, Jewish atheist attorney, and he says, Sebastian, I need to get control of my sister's money because or else the whole company, the whole family is going to fall. And she's really not, she's still mourning and she really can't handle things. And I found this letter. So now she's writing letters to herself, et cetera. And uh, so it seems to him, it's just, you know, open shut case. And they end up going to court, you know, trying to prove that the girl is just, you know, she can't handle her own financial um, because because she's mentally incompetent, basically. right? Because she's mentally incompetent. You know, she's just you, you know the brother wants to be nice, and she's just mourning and all of that. You know, and uh, but the girl kind of she's not a aggravated or anything, but she says, you know, there's nothing wrong with me. I am getting these letters, and it goes in front of a judge in Chicago. You know, and the brother says, you know, my my sister wouldn't know Tom Jones from Dow Jones. You know, was one of the one of his sayings at the court and uh, and the judge is like having a, you know, getting ready to say, okay, you know, honey, will you go get a psychiatrist, whatever. To make a long story short, the newspapers, somehow it gets to, into the news. And now it's like a big deal. And the judge's wife, who's very Jewish in belief, et cetera, reads in the newspaper. Now she doesn't want to cook for her husband. He's not being nice enough to this girl. It ends up this huge, huge case Believers against the non-believers in Cook County, you know, uh, uh, Chicago court. And that and, and that's what the uh, blind faith, that's where that came from. This whole idea that I always wanted to put the non-believers on one side and the believers on one side and have them, you know, get it on. Really interesting. I, I mean, there's certainly in my world of psychiatry, this is one of the things that we grapple with a lot about is competence. But also, who am I to say that, you know, what you believe in is somehow delusional, right? I mean, exactly. and, I mean, yeah, I hear it all the time. Oh, you can't prove there's a God, you know? And I was like, well, okay, can you prove there's not a God? I mean, it's like the old, uh, I think it was a Russian, two Russians. One was a astronaut and one was a psychiatrist, a brain surgeon. And the psychiatrist, uh, or I apologize, the astronaut says to the brain surgeon, you know, I've been to the moon of, hundred times and all over. I never seen one angel. I never seen no God. I never seen none of that stuff. And so the brain surgeon says, well, yeah, okay. But you know, I've done a hundred brain surgeries and I've never seen a thought. So. Mm, nice. It's true. Thought occupies time, but does it occupy space? I'm not sure. When I was in high school, Pat, I wrote a short story um, about this salesman who's tired he's in a hotel and somehow he winds up breaking the the lamp um and he goes to to get a light bulb and screws it in and something happens and he has you know turns on but something's going on so he has to unscrew the light bulb and he unscrews it and he's got it in his hand but it's still on and he realizes he hears this voice that he has captured god in a light bulb and he says, this is fantastic. I can now prove you exist. And God says, no, 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 no. The whole tension of it 
is whether I exist or not. That's what keeps people going, is not being sure. Because he had captured God in a light bulb, but God said, you cannot, you cannot tell anyone whether I really exist or not. So how does that, how does that drive faded genes? And, and where's when the movie comes out, which I hope it does, where's the movie going to take us as an audience? Well, okay. Um, faded genes is about the guy that gets leukemia. Blind. No, 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 no. Sorry. Blind faith. I mean, I mean, blind, blind faith, blind faith, blind faith. Yeah. So blind faith has everyone who's reading it, obviously trying to figure out is the girl writing the letters or isn't she writing the letters? Um, and through the book, I, you know, question our beliefs about the financial markets. Mm-hmm. I question our beliefs about the idea of accumulating wealth. I question our beliefs about bankers and uh, atheists and friendship, right? Because uh, um, Trish, who's the girl that has all the issues, you know, they go to her work and they're talking to her coworkers and the coworkers don't want to seem crazy and et cetera. So um, in a real human kind of a, I think more humorous way, I challenge all of these different ideas that so many of us have different thoughts about. Mark or Tom, either of you want to jump in on this in terms of, of faith, faith, which is the enactment of trust? What do you think, Mark? God? God. No, I'm not so calling much. you God. I know you're no. but I'm not calling you God. So. No, please, please don't. <laughs> please don't. Uh, so much there. You know, it's it's really interesting. It's one of those conversations that not a lot of people like to have anymore, uh, especially if they fall on different uh, sides of the the dialogue. I love that you're leaning into this, Patrick, and I love that you're also leaning into the capitalism. I guess would be the the best way to describe you know bankers and the financial institutions. And I can only imagine as a deep thinker that you are, how deep you're going into that. I I'm looking forward to reading the book now. Yeah, I, uh, thank you. I appreciate it. I'm honored that you would read the book and, uh, yeah, I mean, um, it, again, uh, uh, I don't want to preach or, or anything like that, but it was a great book to read, to write. I learned out a lot of, you know, every time I write a book, I learn more about myself. Uh, a lot of things about myself and especially with uh, blind faith, you know, I, I said, well, you know, okay. Um, Jesus Christ, what, what, what does he really mean to me? And you know, what's, what's the take on all of this stuff. And then I, I had to throw myself back. I've been to India, I've been to Africa, you know, I've, I've traveled a lot. I've had a lot of conversations and, and I said, you know, Jesus Christ, like Socrates, right. Could have just said, hey, Socrates could have said, I'm not drinking this hemlock, please. All right, I'll stop with all of my crazy aggravate. You know, I won't ask any more questions. I won't bother you. And just the same way Jesus Christ could have said, all right, hey, not a problem. You can accumulate wealth. I promise I won't talk bad anymore about you. Everything's great. I don't want to die. Okay. And both of them actually ended up dying for their morals, you know, for what they believe. They said, you know, Socrates said, no, 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 no. Give me the hemlock. I'm drinking it because you guys are just not doing things the right way, in my opinion. And the same thing, Jesus Christ. So, and I always tell my, whether they're Muslim or Hindu, whatever they are, you know, I said, you don't have to believe that Jesus Christ 
is God. I don't, I don't really care. And I'm not exactly sure how it all works out. I just know that he had the choice of death or life, but life without owning up to his morals and his beliefs, and he chose death. So for me, he's like a big guy. And I've read so many of his parables uh, that have become pillars in my life. So, you know, um, and a lot of times it's like, well, do you believe he's the son of God? And I say, well, of course I do. And I'm also a son of God, as are you. So I try in the nicest way with a smile to kind of keep out of it. And to be quite honest, I, I've, I've had a lot of debate debates, and I don't think one single time I ever left someone with this. I don't even think once. And I think it, a lot of it is because I try to be kind and I don't try to talk about things that I don't know about. And uh, I think that's really helpful. And so blind faith, it, you know, it travels around all of those things. Like Mark says, you know, the market, the stock market capitalism and, 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 and it gets into it all without like lecturing and without fighting about it. It just kind of lets you see kind of a different, uh, take a different view of it. Yeah. I mean, I wrote a song years ago, right after 9-11. It's all the same, just a different name. You know, we all have different gods, um, but blind faith is important. And, and I really appreciate you saying that you're not talking about stuff that you don't know about. And that's really important. And what I'm very grateful for is our sponsors do the same thing. They do not talk about things they do not know about. So let's hear from our sponsors on what they do know about. We'll be right back with the Dr. Joe Show. Hey, folks, welcome back. So any thoughts? Do you listen to other podcasts? Do you see how they do the sponsors? Is there a way that they're utilizing sponsors that you enjoy or you don't enjoy? I listen to Smartless and I really enjoy how the co-hosts share the voiceover for the product or service. It's really funny for the most part, but it's unique. It's them really endorsing. Does that work? What do you think? And we're back with the Dr. Joe Show with a deep thinker, an artist, a creative an author, a great conversationalist, Patrick Girondi. Yeah, it really is a, a great conversation. We're, we're talking about God and spirituality, but let's not overlook the other side of this, which is what you're talking about, the finance and the financial sector. So I, I think, I mean, this book is just coming out now, right? Recently, 2023. I am curious, I want to just ask you about what could be a very provocative first sentence in the book. And the first sentence on chapter one, here comes the president. This is in blind faith. I'll read it. Since, since Anthony Cristiano's salon opened in the Trump Tower on the Chicago River at Wabash Ave, few leaders trudged down to Kiva's in Watertown Place. I think for some people, Patrick, Trump Tower is just going to jump out and they're going to wonder, what is going on in the rest of the book? So I'm curious about that. That's, that is absolutely, I think, uh, a creative choice to center the opening of this in Trump Tower in Chicago. Help me with that. Yeah, so um, I did a little bit of homework and um, I realized that there was this very, is this very famous uh, hairline studio in Trump Tower, $600 for uh, haircuts, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, and 
there is a, uh, another place that's downstairs that's cheaper, et cetera, et cetera. But all of the you know people that want to be seen go upstairs to uh, Cristiano, I think is Anthony Cristiano's place, and they don't, and they're not seen anymore in the other beauty salon. And I said, well, you know what, I, I, I like it. Let me let me start out that way. Yeah, and and what is the tone that you are trying to set with that? Putting on airs, believing in money instead of in people. Yeah, yeah. Which, you know, is certainly one of the struggles that we have today in, in big finance and big business. And we're struggling with that a lot. Mark? Well, it's worship, right? It's worship. I mean, God becomes, I mean, uh, money becomes their God, right? Right. The CEOs, come on. I mean, whoever heard of a CEO 30 years ago? What the hell was a CEO? He didn't even know what it was. I mean, I don't mean really, literally. I mean, I, I say their CEO is for crazed, egotistical opportunists. But I mean, in, <laughs> 30 years ago, CEO, I mean, I wouldn't even know what it was. And now they're gods. I mean, they are gods. And I even had in a court case against Bluebird Bio, and the CEO's name is Nick Leshley. Um, and it's an amazing story, by the way. Uh, and so we needed to um, depose Nick Leshley, the CEO of Bluebird Bio, because he had sabotaged the product and we had a lot of proof on him and we needed to talk to him. And we got a motion to quash from his attorneys. And basically the most important reason why they objected to us deposing Mr. Lashley is that he was the CEO of a publicly traded company and did not have time. Did not have time or they were afraid it was going to affect shareholder well, they, value. They don't say that, but they, you know, they said, you know, Mr. Leshley, your honor. He's a busy, to, busy man. Yes, he's the, you know, he's the CEO of a publicly traded company. And, you know, he he really, you know, for the good of the country, because we've just got a handful of these guys that are running the whole world, right? The whole country. Okay. These multinational CEOs, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, for the good of the country, your honor, let's let him you know, stay at work and let's not, you know, bring him into court because it, it it wouldn't be a good thing for the nation. What did the judge rule? He actually went along with them. And all they allowed me to do was ask him five questions of which he lied in four of them. And what, happened? Week, what happened with the lawsuit? We might want to. It set a lot of court, like 95% of them do. So I basically was going against Memorial Sloan Kettering in New York and Bluebird Bio and, uh, have it all approved. Took six years to get it all. Um, I can't tell you what I settled for because it's confidential and I could get in trouble for that. But I'll tell you, so you can begin guessing, my attorneys got 11 million, 11 million. Um, and we settled and there was so much lying. And I have a very close friend name is Ken Sussman. He's an attorney in New York, and he's very frustrated as well. He's probably 60-ish now. And he goes, you know, Pat, next time somebody asks me if I can recommend a good attorney to him, I'm going to tell him you don't need a good attorney. You need a good actor because these judges sit up there and all the liars are all lying. They're all lying. So he's trying to figure out who's lying the least. Mm. So you don't need a good lawyer. You need a good actor. And by the way, and I don't want to like open up a ton of can of worms, but. Oh, you just did. <laughs> you know, I mean, what we should. 
But I mean, look at all of this stuff. Me too. The pedophile thing with the Roman Catholic Church. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's some real bad guys out there in both instances. But now we've seen time and time and time again that for money, people are willing to go into court and make false accusations, try to get them to stick, and very often do get them to stick. I mean, one of the famous ones last happened two years ago was about the mother. The boy got a, the, the, her young son, whatever he was, 18, 19 years old, got accused of rape. He was going to accept because they were going to give him uh, six years instead of 30 or whatever. And he was actually going to accept it because the family didn't have any money. Because, of course, to fight in court, you need a lot of money, a lot of patience, a lot of time. And the mother actually put it on Facebook. And somebody had taken a picture of her son at a baseball game where he said he was, but then they have proof that he was there. And it's not one. There's hundreds and hundreds. And I believe in thousands. I've seen it happen where you will have the victim who's really not the victim. He's just the predator or she's a predator trying to make money. And so you get in front of it, you, you get in, you know, a, a good attorney who is working hard for his client. He's not really interested whether the client is right or wrong. He's interested in if he can, you know, make a payday. You know, I mean, even guilty people are entitled to have a, an attorney. So it's kind I, of I hope what you're saying is not true. Um, there are obviously outlier situations where you may be spot on, right? Bad, bad doctors, bad pharmacists, bad attorneys, bad cops. I mean, let's, you know, continue it on. But, you know, does that rotten apple? Well, again, if you have the proof, then I believe you. If you don't have the proof, I don't believe you. And it's a shame. You know, people say, well, you know, uh, Harvey Weinstein, uh, Bill Cosby, they were convicted by a jury of their their peers. And guess what? So were the witches of, of Salem. You know, they were also convicted by a jury of, the, uh, of their peers. And uh, I, I've been around the block too long. I grew up on the south side of Chicago. You know, we have a saying, and it is, I'm not true to my word. I'm true to my friend, which means that I'll go in front of a judge and lie 50 days from Tuesday to make sure that my buddy don't get pinched for robbing a car, for stealing a truck, for whatever it is. So I, you I, would agree, though, that not everybody, not everybody with that and some have ingrained integrity and would not put their hand on a Bible and lie or present a falsity to the to the court. Uh, that I don't know about anymore because these the court costs now today. My average attorney, average now, is about 900 an hour. And uh, like I said, it cost me $11 million at the end. Um, when you have these cases and there's monies at stake, et cetera, and the courts are so overrun so that my, kid, my case took five and a half years from start to finish, okay? Um, yeah, yeah, I fired a couple of, of attorneys. If I had to say the 20-odd attorneys that I went up against, if I would have said... How many of them I really thought, you know, wow, they're really trying to do an honest job, a good job and all of that. Wow. I think there was maybe three that I would say, wow, that, that guy really does care about what the truth is. He's not trying to, you know, take advantage. There's a wonderful thing called attorney's eyes only, which is a great invention. And that is that like I had that. So in other words, I was going against Bluebird Bio and, and Sloan Kettering. But they had convinced the judge that I couldn't see any of the proof. It's called attorney's eyes only. So only your attorney's going to see it. 
And then your attorneys can advise you. And they use the excuse that, you know, it's a way to protect intellectual property, et cetera. But in the end, I know about gene therapy. My attorneys didn't know anything about it. I ended up getting fined $121,000 because they convinced the judge that I wouldn't have filed the second amended complaint had I not seen the proof. And it, it so anyway, I agree with you guys. It's not 99% of the people are corrupt for the love of Jesus. I, I obviously don't believe that. But I do believe that our legal system is just completely um, bound up. It takes years and years. You can have trials go on for 10 years. Um, they've thrown out the statute of limitations on a lot of this stuff, which I think is really ridiculous as well. And uh, I, yeah, I, I, I'm not really uh, crazy about the uh, legal system. But yeah, there's a lot of good attorneys. There's a lot of good doctors, a lot of bad doctors, a lot of, you know. But if, if you had to say, is it 90-10? No, I said, no, it's probably 50-50. You're right. Some of these court cases can go on for years and years and years, but not the episodes of the Dr. Joe show, because each little chunk is about 13 minutes. So we cannot go on for years with this piece because we're going to hear from our sponsors, but we're going to come back with a very active discussion here on the Dr. Joe show. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back. And again, we're super grateful for you listening to the Dr. Joe show. If you have anyone that you think might be a good sponsor, shoot us an email at drjoepodcast at gmail.com. D-R-J-O-E podcast at gmail.com. Give us your thoughts about the show too. We're wondering, are we talking to the trees or are people really gaining value in this? Please let us know. Thank you again and enjoy the rest of the show. And we're back with the Dr. Joe show. But there was a really interesting statement that, you know, you have to have proof, but not when it comes to God. And not when it comes to our court system either anymore. But I, I don't I don't want to aggravate you, but that's just the way that it is. Now they're just convicting people, putting people in jail. They got no proof. You know, a guy gets up there and he says, oh, my school teacher, she touched me and she kissed me. And and and, and the lady's going to jail for six years, seven years. It's crazy. Seven percent of people conservatively don't belong in jail. You know, that they're really innocent, according to the government. And what, what happens nowadays, especially because attorneys cost so much that so many people are taking pleas. You know, so they'll plea out for a lesser a lesser thing. But I don't doubt that there's any rapists, and I'm sure there are rapists. I I have personally never known one, to be quite honest. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't I don't know. I, I mean, if I would say my neighborhood in Chicago was sixty thousand people, how many rapists really we had? I don't know, maybe one. I, I don't know. I, I've never known a rapist. Well, sadly, they. they oh, I know they people. exist. I don't deny oh. that they exist. It's just that the way that they purported, it's like, you know, if you're on a, a subway station, like 30, 30% of the people are rapists. And I, I just don't go for that. I, I just think it's ridiculous, especially nowadays. Well, we got, Patrick, is there something that you want to be sure we cover? Yes. Before we get to the questions. Oh, I, I know. Well, I'm very close to Robert F. Kennedy. His, uh, actually, I made a deal with him that I will play at his inauguration and I'll be part of putting together the um, health uh, department uh, or however it is that we can change uh, health in the United States. And he kind of has agreed to allow me to do that. Um, I think he's an interesting guy. And, uh, and I just kind of wanted to bring that up as well. And I do think that we really do need a lot of change in our health 
issues that are, you know, the doctors, et cetera, and uh, the protocols that have so many men getting chemotherapy for prostate cancer when they just had enlarged prostates or women breast. And I'm not talking because I'm saying it. I'm talking because that's the way it is. That's the, you know, people know about it today more and more. We had this scandal in the 90s with the uh, cesareans where they had all these poor women getting cesareans because it was extra money for the doctors and it was broke. And it's funny that in the United States, nothing's really, it, it's not really real. It's just conspiracy theories, you know, until, well, 30 years later. Well, guess what? It really wasn't a conspiracy theory like it was with the cesareans. Definitely with the uh, prostate cancer, you know, 10 years ago, they'd say, well, every man's going to die of prostate cancer if he lives long enough and all of that. And that's another thing that's been debunked. But uh, it's about money in the United States and in other places, it's not. And so I live in Italy. And the reason I live in Italy is because my son was doing experimental medicine in the United States and 40 days cost $70,000. And he had to live in the hospital. I can tell you that my son, who has a chronic disease, who transfuses every 20 days, more or less, doesn't even have to bring his ID into the hospital. And uh, everybody is treated. We have good hospitals. We have bad hospitals, just like the United States. But if you fall down, if you get hit by a car, whatever happens to you, you go to the emergency room and you're taken care of. So, And that's, and that's the right thing to do, isn't it? To as a Catholic, as a Catholic, that's where, you know how I think. Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. And you've, you know, you've spent a lot of your career trying to protect your son and other people who have these rare conditions. So how how do you think that has influenced not just your music, your writing, your your passion? How has that influenced you, Pat? Mm, I think. It has pushed me to the limit of my creativity because I'm a high school dropout and I have to deal with every day, two, three, four, five attorneys, five, six, seven scientists, bankers, whatever. Um, and I shouldn't be able to because I didn't graduate from high school and having a child with a problem where they said he wouldn't make it to be 14 years old pushed me to the limit of my capabilities. And uh, it's it's been a wonderful thing. I, however, and I don't know, Mark and Tom might not want to hear this one. <laughs> I haven't been as effective as I could have. Okay, but do you know why? Why? Because if I was, I wouldn't be here today. They would have why? killed me. Mm. Because that's what happens with the pharmaceutical companies nowadays, unfortunately. People get hit by cars. And again, they could say conspiracy theories, but they could say whatever they want. But I just know that if I really had bothered them enough, really had pissed them off so bad and made it so much that they lose so much money, that they'd have taken care of me. So right now, I kind of fly under the radar. You know, there's always oh, kind of crazy. He's this and he's that. And they're okay, though, because the other day, Bluebird Bio got approved at $3.1 million per one patient. It's ridiculous. It's just stupid. It doesn't make any sense. It costs around $300,000 to make this product. So they really need to make $2.8 million per patient. No one's going to get cured, by the way. And I mean, not only that, it's the biggest, biggest scandal against the American people. Why? Because 70% of all sickle cell disease and thalassemic patients 
are on the government's payroll. So if you take the difference between 700,000, which is what we will charge, and 3.1 million, and you multiply 2.4 million times 102,000 people, it's around $240 million, billion dollars, okay? But this is what goes on. Mm -hmm. And it's hilarious, Bluebird Bio, they got approved in Germany in 2020, and they were gonna ask $1.8 million per patient. I called the Germans, I got a hold of some politicians and German newspaper people, and I said, you know what? You're gonna approve this product at 1.8 million because you only have about 50 patients. So for you, it's not a big deal. However, in Italy, we have 7,000 patients. And I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna do. As soon as you approve the price, I'm gonna help all of our patients get residence in Germany, because we're entitled, we're all Europeans. <laughs> what did they do? Strategy. They pulled it and Germany said, we're not gonna do the price. It's a ridiculous price. So what did Bluebird do? They closed up shop in Europe. They came to the United States and now they got proved first at 2.8 million for thalassemics and yesterday or the day before at 3.1 million. And it's just, you know, I mean, all of this faith that you want to have in the system and in lawyers and in whatever, uh, it don't work. Uh, and especially the medical system does not work. You know, the average European is living 81 years old. The average Italian lives 82.7. The average American 77.9. We spend much more on disease, on, on, you know, we spend much more on medicine, right? Because we have four and a half percent of the world's population and we use 70% of the prescription drugs. So guess what? It, it doesn't work. So all of this stuff, we want to believe, oh yeah, but it does kind of 90% and all, it, it doesn't, it really doesn't work. So, Not if you statistics. so with, with this, I mean, I, I think it's a great discussion, but I'm curious, based on our discussion. Let me ask the first of the two questions. You know, the IM is saying that the home domain, the social domain, the biological domain, and the IC, how I see myself, how I think other people see me, these are all connected. Because the domains interconnect, a small change can have a big effect. We don't need to change everything. So, Pat, given what we're talking about tonight, what small change can you recommend to our listeners? The first thing, and Tom and Mark, this is what you guys got to do. Observe. Stop watching the news and taking everything you say and, and like making a perception. Go go look at the statistics. So if somebody wants to say we have a great healthcare system, go look at infant mortality. Go look at the average age of death. Go look at how many pills people are on. You know, you can find it. Be observant. And that's one thing that I have a lot of problem with most people because everybody wants to pick up, look at TikTok, look at Facebook, look at all of these things, get these one things, don't want to read books anymore, don't want to do none of that. And they're really taking from their own personal experiences and saying, oh, this is the world because this is how I see it. So my first thing is observe. Go and try, look at the statistics more than anything that. Now, I know they can skew them as well, by the way. So I'm actually very careful when I read the statistics even. So that's the first thing, observe. observe. That's a great small change to make. I could not agree more. It is so important to have one's own perspective on the world. And there's so much information right now. It's difficult to curate that. But observe is good. The second truth of the I am. Reflect. Everyone's got an I am on set. Because of this, you control no one, you influence everyone. You get to choose the kind of influence you want to be. 
Patrick Durandi, author, creator, person who's helped millions, what kind of influence do you want to be? I always tell my sons that when I die on my tombstone, I just want to put them to put on there, that in our dialect means basically he was a nice guy. Case closed. Well, folks, great discussion. How do we find the books, Patrick? Uh, Target, Amazon. Um, you know, I don't know if Crocs carry. I, I'm not sure the bookstores, but I know Target and Amazon. And we will post it on our website, Faded Genes, Searching for Your Cure and Finding Home in Altamora, Italy. And the other most recent book is Blind Faith. And you've got another one coming out soon? Chivalry is coming out. And after that, Healthcare Criminals or Criminals and Healthcare is coming out after that. That's great. Well, we want to have you back when those come out, too. And have a great I, concert this week. I apologize. I don't I don't want to offend anybody, aggravate anybody, whatever. But like I said, just, you know, hey, again, observe and reflect. Yeah, yeah. This is the Dr. Joe Show, right? Exploring who we are and why we do what we do. So there's no offense taken. It's always a great discussion. And we will definitely have you back for those next couple of books. Have a great concert. And uh, for those who are in the States, if you want to see the concert, you got to go to Italy. All right. All right. Good night, folks. Bye, Mark. Bye, Tom. Thank you. Bye. Show that.